Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Looking forward to sharing with you this morning as we continue our One Another series. Last week, Manny kicked it off by uh, looking at Love One Another. And this morning, I wanna continue by uh, looking at care for one another care for one another. And I know that as I'm here, I look at a church that does this well. You know, I look at a church that loves one another well, that cares for one another well. And I'm believing that this morning, that in this context, you will be cared for. You know, we, as, as we were worshipping and Jordan shared before, we, we come with a whole bunch of different backgrounds. Even this week, a whole bunch of different stuff. And I know that there'll be people here this morning and you've walked in with a load. There's something on you, something's going on in your world, in your life at the moment and you are feeling the weight of that. I just wanna say this morning you're in a a safe place and I'm believing that uh, over the course of this morning uh, you'll encounter God's grace and His mercy and His healing through His Spirit and through others that are here with us today because we're all called to care for one another. And we're gonna read a passage in, uh, uh, in the New Testament, from the New Testament, a letter from Paul to the church in Galatia. And uh, so we're gonna read that this morning. If you have your Bible, why don't you turn to it? It's Galatians chapter five, verse 26, the last verse of chapter five, and into the first 10 verses of chapter six. The words will be on the screen behind me. This is Paul speaking, writing to the church in Galatia, encouraging them in their journey as a Christian community and kind of showing them and guiding them and counselling them in what it means to be a community of grace. So let's read Galatians chapter 5, 26 to chapter 6, verse 10. He writes, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul says to the church in Galatia, carry one another's burdens. Carry burdens. 
No, carrying burdens is hard. Carrying literal burdens is hard. There's not too many people who like walking around carrying literal burdens, like carrying stuff. The only people I know who like carrying things are people who go to the gym and work out. They just like picking things up and then putting them down again. Anybody, anybody into that? Any, anybody into just pick Jordan? Good, I'm glad that you put your hand up. I'll take that. Great, fantastic. Good, well done. That's awesome. I don't. I don't like carrying burdens. I don't like carrying anything. Yesterday, I was at the market with our family and uh, about halfway around, walking around the market, my little boy Jacob got tired and when he gets tired from walking, he turns around, looks at me, puts his arms up, gets in my way and says, shoulders. I ended up carrying Jacob on my shoulders, but then I ended up, because Megan was doing all the shopping, I ended up with bags and I was pushing a a stroller because even my second didn't wanna walk anymore. So I am walking around the market with it raining, pushing a stroller with lots of bags and a boy with his hands poking in my eyes and my mouth. I genuinely thought, this is rubbish. I hate hanging out with my family going to the shops. I'm done. And I don't know if anybody else feels like I hate, I just hate burdens. Oh, I mean, it's, you know, it's all good now. We, we made it to the car and uh, we made it home. It's not fun carrying burdens and it's not carrying the burdens of life either. You know, we do, we, we have burdens, just the stuff of life that weighs us down, that causes us grief, that wears us out that tires us out. And we live in a culture and a context that is committed to convenience, to removing, removing as many of those burdens as possible. You know, technology has paved a way for convenience. And so we live now in a, a culture that is manufacturing at a fast rate ways in which we can, you know, remove burdens and bring in convenience. Technology has made a way for, te- uh, for convenience. Let me give you a few examples. If you are hungry, just order Uber Eats without leaving the comfort of your couch. Even if you wanna do food shopping, you can order that online and it can be de- delivered at a convenient time. If you're struggling to find a date, Go to an online dating agency and they will do all the legwork for you. You wanting to get a degree? Study online at your own pace, at your own convenience, in your own home. Struggling to get get, uh, get back to looking like you were when you were 28? Well, a little bit of plastic surgery can fix that. We now have cars that, that start by themselves and soon cars that drive by themselves. We have lights that turn on and off with the touch of a smartphone and any number of new devices that are ready to answer any question at the mention of, hey Siri or Google or hey Alexa. You know, more and more technology is serving us with convenience so we don't actually have to go anywhere. We don't need to talk to anyone and it is all available for us at the touch of a button. And whilst all of these are amazing and fantastic, I reckon they need to come with a health label, a warning sign. Because I reckon that the danger is in this world where everything is available, the convenience of our smartphone, it can turn us into self-consumed, self-focused, and narcissistic people. It can. 
and I'm watching it. I was sitting down watching uh, Toy Story with our kids last night. Uh, They they were just introducing Toy Story and they're loving it. But an ad came on for a travel agency and essentially it said this, just go online, we will do everything for you, just click a few buttons and whatever you want, it's yours. You know, we are living in a consumer-driven culture that says to us and feeds us the information that we are the most important people in the world. And your convenience and your pleasure is the most important thing. The danger of our culture, and we are seeing it, is that we are becoming self-consumed and self-focused. And Paul was certainly concerned about this in the Galatian church. You know, in this picture that he's written now, one of the big warnings, he says in verse 26, do not become conceited. And then in verse three of chapter six, he says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Paul is concerned here for the the church because they're becoming prideful. They're becoming self-consumed. They're becoming selfish. We are seeing this in our culture. We are seeing this growth of pride and uh, self-consuming behaviour. I was uh, reading a report this week in, in regards to narcissism and its effect on our ability to care for one another. You see, narcissism and self-consuming behaviour actually removes our ability to care for one another. It's actually inhibiting and reducing our ability for empathy. This is what a a report in the Personal and Social Psychology Review uh, wrote. There There was some research done. Now, this is a few years old, 2011, but this is what they concluded. Narcissism, which is negatively correlated with empathy, has been rising, and this research is done in American college students, in American college students over a similar time period. Behaviours and attitudes have also shifted in a direction that may be consistent with declines in empathy. For example, in a 2006 survey, 81% of 18 to 25 year olds said that getting rich was among their generation's most important goals. 64% named it as the most important goal of all. In contrast, only 30% chose helping others who need help. That was according to Pew Research Centre. To summarise, the present research examined changes in empathy over time based on speculation that related trends and correlates increasing narcissism and individualism, individualism reflect a diminishingly empathetic society. Essentially what, what they're seeing, and I know this is old research, but we could see this, I think, generally across the West, is that as we're becoming more self-focused, as we're becoming more individualistic, as we're enjoying the convenience that serves us, we are also becoming less empathetic. We're losing the ability to walk in other people's shoes. And with that, and alongside that, comes a growing Escalation in isolation. uh, Convenience, actually, and we see this, convenience actually removes us from actually being in community. We spend our time 
in our homes, not connecting with others. Another article I read this week, um, uh, just reflecting on empathy. A recent article said this, but today, while wealth may not be trickling down, an increased lack of empathy for others is. Financial problems and frustrations, fewer friends and more isolation, too much impersonal communication through social media, text and email, all played their role. Younger generations are emotionally estranged from others and their tough financial situations are leaving them emotionally and mentally drained. We're seeing, I think we're seeing this, we're seeing as we move into an individualistic, consumer-driven culture, we're seeing a decrease in empathy and we are seeing an increase in isolation. And Paul writes to the Galatian church, concerned with what he is seeing in that church and he commends them, he implores them, he says, I want you to be a church that reflects Jesus. And he gives them a command. He gives them a reason for the command. And then he paints a picture of what a caring Christian community looks like. And we're gonna sit in those three uh, very quickly this morning as we kind of hear from Paul, as he speaks not only to the Galatian church, but I think he speaks to our hearts and our context and our culture as well. Firstly, he gives a command. We heard it before, carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. Well, what does it mean to carry one another's burdens? What does he mean by burdens? Well, I think we get some context because in verse five, he says, carry your own load. Now that sounds paradoxical, doesn't it? Firstly, he says, carry one another's burdens. But then he says just a few sentences later, carry one another's, or carry your own load. Well, the hearers and the readers in that time would have understood because the word burden and the word load are two different words. See, the word load was a, a, a word that was used. It's the word, the Greek word is fortune. Sorry to go into Greek for a moment, but this will be helpful. And this word was used uh, in relation to say a ship. A ship would take its load and, and deliver it. Um, in, in the same way, people would carry around their own load. It would just be their personal things or part of their business. It would be the, the expected things that you would carry, the things that you were designed to carry. You know, back in those days, many people would carry a yoke and on it would be baskets and they would carry around this yoke with their load on it, their fortune on it. I thought I'd just give you a little bit of an example, working example. So Jordan, seeing that you work out at the gym, I'd love you to come up and just stand here, mate. Come around here. And I want to um, put on your right-hand shoulder there a load. There you go, there's your load. And there'd be things that everybody has, that we all have a load to carry, don't we? You know, there's work. Every one of us has to do work. If we're to live, we need to work. And then we also have responsibilities to our family, to our friends, to our societies. There are things that we all need to do, to live, to be a contributing member of society. You ready for this? No? There we go. Every one of us has responsibilities. Everybody, every one of us has to work. That is our load. 
And there's a problem when we don't carry our load, right? When we don't carry our own load, it ends up spilling out onto other people and other people have to pick up the pieces when we don't carry our own responsibilities. I remember a few years ago, we were moving house and I've moved four times in five years. I am done moving, it is exhausting. And it was the end of the, uh, the weekend and we'd used heaps of trailers and trucks and friends to move house. It was the last trailer load of the day. And uh, I loaded up the trailer. It was all boxes and bits and pieces. I was exhausted. I put the rope over. Oh, I thought I covered everything. And then off I went, took it to the new house. When I got there, I thought things looked a little bit different to when I left, but I didn't think much of it until two days later, Megan said to me, Andrew, where's my box with all my materials and sewing equipment that was passed down to me from my grandmother? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I realised that I'd lost my load. Part of my load had jumped out and and I'd lost it. Megan was devastated. I felt awful. I hadn't carried my own responsibilities well. When we don't carry our own responsibilities, it tends to affect others. Amazingly, a woman found that box on the side of the road and it had an address of my parents' house and they took it back to my parents' house and uh, all ended well, which is a good thing. I'm still married. (laughs) We have our own load to carry. And Paul says, we must be responsible for our own load. Don't abrogate your responsibilities. We all have our own load. But then he says we need to carry others' burdens. Now the Greek word for burdens is baros. It's baros. Now this means something different. This means a heavy weight or load. One commentary says this, baros denotes a weight, anything pressing on one physically or that makes a demands on one's resources, whether material or spiritual or religious. Baros always suggests what is heavy or burdensome. And there are times in life We often can't predict them when we have additional burdens that are put on us. Maybe something goes wrong with our health or somebody else's health in our family. Maybe we experience financial pressures that causes burdens on us and our family. (laughs) Maybe there are past things that come up, your past sins, past brokenness that that begin to weigh down on us. Or maybe it's loss, there's a tragedy in the family, something has gone on and they weigh down on us. How you doing there, buddy? (laughs) He's starting to shake. And this is the thing, you see, burdens weigh us down. And we can't, could you, could you, I mean, could you walk across the stage a few times? I'm not gonna make you, no, you couldn't do that. Exactly. That's what burdens do. They stop us from being able to operate. And so Paul invites us, I'm just enjoying this. <laughs> You're doing great. It's starting to sweat, but that's okay. That's what burdens do. And Paul says to the Christian community there in Galatia, carry one another's burdens. Now I've got a light burden right now. I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. I'm carrying my own load, which is not a lot. And so I can come and I can offer. Oh, please. 
There we go. Give him a hand. Well done, Jordan. Spend more time at the gym, mate. You'll be right. We all feel like that sometimes. There are times in life when we wake up and we go, I'm not sure how I can go on. There are times in life where we can't see to the end of the week. We're not quite sure how we can face our family. We're not quite sure how we're gonna turn up to work. We're overwhelmed with the burdens of life and we can't move. And Paul says, hey, the Christian community is one where we get to carry one another's burdens. Carry your own load, take responsibility, but carry others' burdens. Why? He says, carry one another's burdens and in doing so, you will fulfil the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Paul talks about it in the previous chapter, chapter five. He says this in verses 13 and 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Do not, only, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Paul is saying there is a new law. Jesus brings about a new law. Now, if you read the the, the book to the Galatians, you'll get a bit of a context of why this is so important. Because the Galatians had heard the gospel. Paul had gone and planted a church that the good news of Jesus, that Jesus has done it. He has died for your sins. He has defeated the law of sin and death. We are invited into freedom. But somewhere along the journey, people had come in and started preaching religion to the, to the people there, the church in Galatia. And they started believing it. And they were going back to the Old Testament law. They were going back into rituals like circumcision. And Paul is writing this letter going, stop, don't go back to religion. He writes this passionately in chapter five. He says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You can hear Paul's passion here. He's saying, don't go back to religion. It's a dead end. Don't go to religion. Fulfill the new law, the law of Christ. He warns them, he says, if you go down the way of religion, you will find yourself with pride, With isolation, you will lose empathy and you will enslave yourself. We read this and we read it before that Paul warns, he says, hey, there is, do not become conceited. Religion always leads to false pride because religion always wants to say, I can do it. I can carry my burdens. I can tick all the boxes. I can make my way to God. Thank you very much. It's what religion says and it leads to this sense of pride. It's very interesting that Paul writes here uh, in uh, verse four, then they can take pride in themselves alone without 
comparing themselves to someone else. You see, pride leads to loss of empathy. We, we looked at that before, but Paul is pointing this out. This, this is important to get. Whenever you are comparing yourself to someone, you are unable to care for them. When you compare, you can't care. Because when you compare, you're, you're measuring yourself up and you're looking at somebody else and you're going, well, I'm doing better than them. Oh, look at my life. I'm, my, my life is sorted. Oh, my family, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm not, look at them. They're not doing as good as I am. See, when we, when we move in this space of religion, it becomes a competition. It becomes about comparison. And when we compare ourselves, church, when we, when we walk into church and we find ourselves comparing ourselves to other people for whatever reason, we are removing our ability to care for them. Paul is saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Just carry your own load and love one another. Don't compare. And he warns and he says, and this is in chapter five, he says, if you abandon the freedom that Christ has given you, he says this in verse one of chapter five, you will be, if, you, if you abandon the freedom Christ has for you, you will be burdened again by a yoke. You'll be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. He warns them, don't go back to religion. Don't go back to religion. And in doing so, he points them to the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Well, it's, it's, it's grace. See, the law of Christ is to love your neighbour as you love yourself. But sitting underneath that, the secret underneath that is this, this truth that Christ has died for us, that we are loved. We can only love the other because we know that we're loved, that Christ has died for us. And when Jesus walked the earth, just like Paul, he aimed all his guns at religion. He said, religion is death. Religion ruins everything. It's fascinating, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus uses this word burden again uh, to, to uh, describe the Pharisees and their religious structures. He says this, uh, Matthew 23, Then Jesus sat, said to the crowds and to His disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practise what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads, baros, and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them, no empathy, no care. Religion, Jesus is saying religion, the law loads up burdens. See, the law of Christ is this, is that Jesus stepped down from heaven to earth and He came and He walked amongst us as we carry and we walk all our brokenness, all our sin, all our shame, all the things of this world that, are, that weigh down heavy on us. But Jesus lived a different light life. He lived a light life. He was free from sin. 
And I'm sure many of you, you all know the story that, that after three years of ministry, preaching the good news, healing the sick, encouraging the broken and the poor, he is arrested by the religious leaders. He is put on trial. He is condemned to death. And he makes his way up a hill where a cross is raised and his outstretched arms are held and he literally takes the burden and the pain and the sin upon his own shoulders. His arms are nailed to the cross and he carries our brokenness and our pain and our sin upon himself. He dies for us so that we can be free. He carries our pain, our brokenness, all the things that we've done and all the things that have been done to us upon Himself and He dies for us. And in His death, sin is defeated. And in His resurrection, we are invited into new life so that we don't need to carry the burdens anymore. Jesus has died for us. And the beautiful thing is, is He has taken the burdens. He's taken duty, even work now for us, changes. He takes it all. And there's this beautiful passage, I'm sure many of you know of it, in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my fortune and my fortune and my load is light. Now there's something that Jesus gives back to us. He gives us a different load. Actually, I'm gonna carry it this way, which is the way it was supposed to be carried. He lightens our load and even our responsibilities, our work, the things that we need to do for others, the things that we do for society, take on a whole new perspective. He gives us a new sense of purpose. He gives us a new sense of joy. He gives us a new sense of meaning. He has taken our burdens, our sin, our shame, the sin and brokenness of this life, whether it's our fault or not, and He has taken it upon His own shoulders. And we're invited into grace. And Paul says this, hey, carry one another's burdens and in doing so, so you fulfil the law of Christ. But Paul's also saying, you can carry one another's burdens because Christ has already carried them for you. See, it's in, it's in Christ carrying our burdens that we can carry others. And that is the picture of the Christian community. It is the community of grace. Paul gives us a command, he gives us a reason and then he paints a picture for us. And he says, hey, live this Christian community, live in this Christian community, a community of grace, a community where we are now free to offer grace because we don't carry the burdens, because there's a freedom there. When things do come up against us, when we are hit sideways, when life hits us, we, we can receive, but we can also offer that to others. There's a really interesting um, verse that he starts with in verse six. He kind of gives an, ex an example of what it looks like, what the Christian community looks like. He says this, 
Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now, when we think about burdens, when we think about carrying other people's burdens, we think practically, don't we? Cooking a meal or coming and helping out. I reckon that's all part of it. But Paul chooses sin here. Paul says, if you, if you, if you find someone in your, in your community who has fallen into sin, care for them. Carry their burden. Restore them gently. And Paul doesn't say when you find someone in the, in the church community of sin, you don't, you don't point them out. You don't judge them. You don't whisper behind their backs. You don't gossip. You don't tell other people. You restore them. You enter into their world. You walk in their shoes. You enter into their, their pain and their place. And you come alongside them and you restore them. Paul is giving a picture here of what it means to carry one another's burdens. Man, I, I, I pray that, the, that I will be like that. I pray that our church will be like that. When someone comes in broken, that instead of receiving judgment and gossip, comparison and condemnation, they receive restoration. We can offer grace, but we can also receive grace. I know there are people here today and you are in desperate need of grace. Maybe some of you haven't received the grace of Jesus and today is the day that you need to receive it. But we need to continue to receive grace, both grace from Jesus, but here in the Christian community, Paul paints it again. He says, don't be proud, but be humble. See, receiving grace requires humility. It it, it requires you saying, I I can't carry it anymore. I I can't do this anymore. Will you you help me? That's humbling. It's pretty confronting to admit that you can't do it. But Paul says, you are to offer grace, but profoundly then you can receive grace. And what it does is it grows our humility and it removes isolation. When we feel that we can share our burden, no longer are we out on our own, no longer are we isolated. And there are some incredible benefits of being in a community of grace that is willing to share burdens. You know, firstly, we are changed You know, when we find ourselves in a a Christian community where we share one another's burdens, we are ultimately changed. Profoundly, our empathy grows. When we find ourselves in a burden-sharing community, we actually grow in our empathy. The one thing that our society is dwindling in, this should be a plant, a, a, a kind of like a school for empathy. I was reading a Washington Post article and this is what the writer said. She said, our ability to care for, help and cooperate with each other is the cornerstone of human culture and one of the keys of our success. 
Kindness continues to help us at many levels. Helping others boosts individuals' happiness and decreases their stress. Strong social connections even increase longevity in older adults. Empathy strengthens a range of relationships. Individuals with empathetic spouses are happier in their marriage. I am sure that is true. Patients of empathetic doctors are more satisfied with their care. Employees of empathetic managers call in sick less often with stress-related illness. And get this, pro-social organisations thrive. For instance, empathetic teams collaborate more effectively and businesses that incentivise kindness enjoy greater morale and loyalty. That should be the picture of the church. That's who we are. We're an empathy machine. And our community should be this. This is a picture of the community. And let me tell you this. Jesus says in John 13, the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Love one another. See, not only are we changed when we follow what Paul is telling us, when we, when we fulfil the law of Christ, but our world is changed. And we should be a community that just shines, that is so deeply attractive to a world that is more and more isolated, that is more and more lonely, that doesn't understand what it means to journey alongside one another, is becoming less and less emotionally intelligent. We as the church have a gift to give to the world. And we have a gift that we can share, not only with the world, but with one another. I don't know what burdens you're carrying today. I don't know what your load is like. But what I do know is that Jesus offers to take your burdens because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.